Hello and welcome to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. After a summer of Grand Tour specials, we're back with a bang. And today's guest is none other than Ben Turner. Now, what can I tell you about Ben? Well, Ben Turner is an English professional footballer who plays as a defender for Ilkeston Town. No, wait a minute, that's the wrong Wikipedia page. Hold on. Um, ben Turner is a British-Iranian actor, most notable for his roles as Nurse Jay Folder. Hold on. That is another Ben Turner. Sorry about this. Right. Ben Turner is one of the most promising young riders in the pro peloton. Yeah, this is definitely the one. Who signed for Ineos Grenadiers after a meteoric rise with Trinity Racing. In our chat, we discuss his incredible ride at Paris-Roubaix and how important it is to race with confidence. And he also tells me how his attitude to racing changed when he decided to have more fun. So get comfy, unlike me, maybe wear a top, grab some refreshments and close Wikipedia and stop getting confused by other Ben Turners because this is the Ben Turner episode. Podcast. It's time for your letters, and this one came in to podcast at sigmasports.com. And you might remember at the end of the Tour de France series, we crowned our winner of the Fantasy League, and it was a person with no avatar by the name of Doster, or Doster, D-O-S-T-A. But we wondered if Doster, Doster, was a real person, or perhaps might have been a league-winning robot. So we, I, invited them onto the podcast. Well, we've since received this email which I've not seen before, it's blacked out on my screen here, which I'm about to read for the very first time. And here it is. Hello, it's Dosta Dosta from Fancy Tour League here. Uh, just to confirm, I'm not a bot. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable enough to talk on a podcast. I'll leave that to the amazing Matt. That's actually in brackets. Um, but the best tactic to achieve as many points is to pick riders who score the most. All right, mate, you're getting a bit cheeky now, but he's done a smiley face, so I'll forgive him. Uh, just kidding, but I don't know probably, but I don't know probably, but what I don't know is probably a combination of luck, fairly intensive following of world cycling the whole season, not just during the tour, uh, so you know who's in form, read some previews here and there, and maybe I can reveal one secret to be successful. Pick riders with your brain, not with your heart. That's a very interesting tactic, so it's remaining objective. Um, even if you think your favourite rider has a chance, go for a safer option if available. These are top tips. I was going to jot them down, but I've realised they're actually written down already for me. Uh, anyway, I enjoyed playing with everybody else and, of course, listening to the podcast. Can't wait for upcoming episodes. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Doman. So, um, Doman is actually Doster. Uh, P.S. One little question. Is Matt sure that he's not a robot either? because his team also have a blank avatar. All right. Well, thank you very much indeed, Doman, um, Doster, for getting in contact. There's some great tips there. I do like the one about being objective and not going with your heart and going with your head, and also doing the research bit. And also, changing your team up every single day is a good idea, because so much happens in the tour. But thanks for getting in contact. And um, I, for one, am very looking forward to next year too. Cheers, Doman. And if, like Doman, um, you'd like to get in contact, please email podcast at sigmasports.com. And you never know, you could be read out on the pod. Ben Turner is a powerful young rider from Doncas who joined the Ineos Grenadiers for the 2022 season after impressing with Trinity Racing. His 11th place finish at Paris-Roubaix earlier this year really piqued the interest of the cycling world. And we recorded our chat in mid-June when Ben was preparing for the British National Road Championships. And we get a sense of his dedication right from the outset. But I was even more interested in whether he has an in-depth knowledge of record-breaking fellow Doncastrian Trish the goldfish and what age she might have lived until. Check it out. Ben Turner, thank you very much, mate, for joining us on Matt Stevens Unplugged. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. Nice to be here. Uh, can you tell us um, whereabouts in the world you are? Because I'm not. I think you're in. I think you're in England, aren't you? I think. Um, but and then describe also, so we can really set the scene before we kick things off. Um, set the scene for our, our listeners. Yeah. So currently, I'm actually. I must be very keen for the nationals because I've been here since Monday. So I'm actually <laughs> staying. <laughs> Blimey, that is kick, mate. I know. I know. I'm in the probably only place in Europe where it's it's not a heat wave today. It's it's been good weather, but today it's rained all day, and I think the rest of Europe's like twenty nine degrees. So 
So yeah, I'm near I'm near the TT course. I'm not far from there, so I'll just stay here till the till the nationals next week now. So you're up in is it Dumfries and Galloway? You're up is up in Scotland, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I am. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad actually. It's, it's, it's all right. Well, well, Niall, our producer, uh, is in Edinburgh, and I'm in Derby. And mate, it, I, I just went out on my bike today for about an hour and ten minutes, buzzed around the lanes. Um, it's a cauldron, absolutely boiling hot. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely red hot, mate. So, um, yeah, um, it, it's funny how the country, Scotland, as we know, Scotland is quite quite a cool place. Um, not just because it's cool, but actually in terms of temperature as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had the last days I had. Pretty good weather, like I got a bit of a suntan. And today, everyone's like, oh, it's really crazy weather on Friday, all this. I wake up, it's hammering it down, and I've gone on to it. So I don't really know what's going on there. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's Scotland. Yeah, so, so, actually, are you in a B&B or a hotel? Just describe the location. I really like to get a sense of what's on offer, because um, it really lets me, I don't know, it puts me, gives me some sort of podcast piece, Ben. Uh, I'd just like to know what what your what your surroundings are like. Are you in a little B and B? Because I spent a lot of time in Dumfries and Galloway back in the day in the Girvan, a race you wouldn't have done, but you've probably been aware of the Girvan three day. Yeah, yeah. So currently, yes. I'm I'm sat in a kitchen. Um, <laughs> I'm sat in a kitchen, and we've hired a house, and I'm looking out, and there's some sheep on a field in the rain. That's what. That's the situation currently. Okay. Uh, Okay, <laughs> so you're in the kitchen. So, so what, what led you to um, decide, I mean, clearly, I mean, we know the Nationals is important, mate, but blimey, it's almost like you're doing um, a Dumfries and Galloway altitude training camp, isn't it, at sea level? <laughs> I, I just have no idea. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so after after Nationals, I'm going to move, I've just got a place in Girona, so I'm going to move to oh, Girona. Yeah. And I thought, oh. I don't. I'm, I don't want to be at home, so I've come here. Come here, do the nationals, go to Girona, set up my apartment in Girona, and then altitude in Andorra. So, yeah, I thought I'd spend the last remaining days, probably for the next few years, in Scotland <laughs> rather than Yorkshire. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. I mean, fair enough. I mean, Scott, I do like Scotland. I tell you what, though, <laughs> the, the lanes around that neck of the woods so quiet, isn't it? Yeah, that's one thing about it. It's beautiful. It's there's quite there's a beautiful desolation, I think, to that part of Scotland. You can just ride for ages without seeing a car. Have you found some pretty decent lanes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just planned it on Strava and stuff, and I was mm. like, oh, a real rushed attempt at making routes at times. And I don't. I think I did like three hours. Did a loop. Did the did the TT course. Did some efforts on there. Then I did three hours or something afterwards on the road bike. And I genuinely think I got passed by. If I said. Two to three cars. I don't think that would have been a lie. So, yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive, but I could imagine in deep winter. I mean, it would be pretty. It would wouldn't be the same. Be pretty bleak, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd yeah, be yeah, yeah. A, a, a real test of one's a resolve, mental, a mental, uh, mental resolve, mate. But actually, I'm. Um, I know this podcast will go out after the nationals, so this will probably go out after the Tour de France. Actually, so we might drop in how you got on in the Nationals, and that's a week and a half away. I'm actually commentating on the Crit Champs and the um, and the road race. Have you got? Could you give me a bit of an inside track on, on what the course is like? Because I haven't really got a clue. Is it a roll? Have you had a chance to ride that? Just so I can get a sense of what it's like. I mean, I, I know this bit of a freebie for me, Ben, so if you don't mind, what, what, yeah, how do you, do, how do you rate do the course? I'll do your homework for you. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Crit Champs, I think they've entered me, but I'm not doing that. Uh, the TTs. Right. I think apart from the 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 start finish area where you go up a loop, like you're never going to come out of the skis. I think it, I think actually I did one. I've done one effort for the full lap, not hard, and it mm. said that I got the TT course record, so I'm pretty happy with that. And good. then that's, um, that's a good start. Yeah, that's a good start. And then the road race. Uh, I think I've not actually done the lap yet. I'm going to go up on Sunday and do a few laps. But for the men, we do the big a big lap and then some small laps. And I think it's relatively far. I think there's like a small kicker on the on the small lap, but it's nothing crazy. So I guess we'll have to see. Ben has since raced the national championships and had an incredible ride there too, coming an impressive fourth in the road race behind Mark Cavendish, Sam Watson and Alexander Richardson. And here's a voice message from now, or just a few days ago, speaking about that very result. Hi, Matt. Yeah, the nationals went pretty well. Uh, it wasn't quite the result I wanted, especially... 
yeah, fought pretty hard for the win after all the preparation. Um, but yeah, came away with fourth in the end of the road race. Um, yeah, tried the whole race, was away the whole day basically, just attacking. But yeah, the, the legs bit a bit at the end and uh, came away with fourth, which is a bit of a shame really. And uh, the TT just needs to learn how to be more slippery really. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a good weekend and uh, the shape was really good. So yeah, I can be really happy, especially with the road race. You know how I raced, it was a hard race and yeah, I tried to make it pretty hard as well. So yeah, it was yeah happy in the end. Um, and then uh, Commonwealth Games just being this weekend, I uh, did the same as Nationals actually. Uh, it was in the break in the splits um, in the front group and then we were going to wait until around three laps to go so it was 16k a lap so what's that around 45k to go we started lining it up uh, England and just keep hitting it you know I think the course was a bit too easy you know you couldn't really stay away on it and um, yeah was close in the end close same as nationals we're always close knocking on the door but haven't pulled off the win yet so we'll keep trying and we'll see where we go um yeah coming up next is um yeah i'm not too sure at the moment but the back end of the year hopefully we'll get selected for worlds and then that should end the year nice in australia in a good way and I'm sure there'll be a bit, some big racing before that as well. So it'll be nice. It'll be a good end to the year. And yeah, it's been a class year anyway. So yeah, I can't complain too much. Cheers. Now, back to mid-June when we didn't know any of this. Time travelling, if you will, on a podcast. Mm. Yeah, because you've, you've, you've been, um, I'm just looking at your result. You've, you've been second in the under 23. You're still so young. That's the thing. I mean, this season for you, I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but thanks for the insight on the road race. How far is it? Is it 200 Ks or 108, 90 Ks or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. And how many of you, have you got any teammates joining you in your kitchen at any point? Or are you like in the kitchen? We haven't got them in the kitchen though, so they weren't ready to jump in the podcast. <laughs> but, um, we've got, Ethan A, who's obviously, yeah, flying. He is flying, uh, yeah. Little Ben, Ben Tula, he'll be yep. flying. He's rapid. Yep. And then we've got the three times national champion of the world, Swifty. So, yeah. yeah, it's a good little group, actually. I think, yeah, it'd be interesting. It's going to be a bit... It's going to, you know, when you get an instruction from the team car and you've got three Bens in the team. I mean, I bet, I mean, I bet you're tired of hearing that. But um, it, do you just go for surnames or have you got a nickname? Are you like Benny T or the T Man? Um, no, what do they no, call it? So, there's Little Ben, which is Ben Chula, which I think he has drawn. The, I think he has drawn the, straw, uh, the short straw there. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's Swifty, who's he's really proud to be Swifty. That's yeah. Ben Swift. Yeah, and then they've called me Big Ben, so I'm happy with that. It's better so Big than, Ben, yeah, Big yeah. Ben, Little Ben, and and Swifty. Swifty. So that's quite clear, yeah. isn't it? That he's yeah. not you're not going to get the instructions wrong there. And I do no. believe. I mean, I, I, again, Wikipedia it, it, for, for better or for worse, um, the cl- nickname the clock. What's all that uh, about? Uh, What's all that know. about? Or are you going to go and take it off? Is that is that legitimate? What's the score? So they had like so when I came to Ineos, I rode with Swifty all the time. Mm. like in just November and he was just ribbing me and then he started calling me the camel the camel yeah because <laughs> I found my back is on a on a on a, uh, on a bike which wasn't really nice that's a bit uncomfortable that's it, not really nice that I'll have a word with him about no that, no no yeah have a word with him have a word with him um, I took on the chin though I took on the chin anyway and then uh, they decided on Big Ben and then some I don't it was on a YouTube channel or someone someone's now changed Big Ben to the clock and then that's and then that stuck and then they, and then I got this message on after Roubaix yeah I got this message saying oh have you seen your I don't even know who it's from have you seen your Wikipedia and it just changed to the clock and then this guy to do an Instagram post where I was next to Big Ben and then and then now it's stuck so oh mate um, yeah sorry about well again I don't I mean I, I'm I don't really know how to hack. Anybody can hack in, can't they? And just adjust people's Insta- uh, people's um, Wikipedia pages. 
Quite yeah, I mean, strange, it could be worse. Right? So I think we can just leave it at the clock. Yeah, listen, because it's—I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it's—it's it's weird, but it's—it's it's not any worse than that. So, so bad. Okay, no, no, no. Um, so, so, mate, what are we now? We're in—we're June. This—we're a week away and a bit from the national championships. I've had the pleasure of commentating on you quite a lot this year. Um, and let, let's be fair, we will go back right to the beginning and. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your formative years in cycling. But right now, mate, you, you must be very, very happy or more than happy with how the season's gone so far. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really... I think it's... It would have been ambitious to say that's what I expected so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I did believe I was capable of it, but you don't know and stepping up and all that. It, it's... Yeah, I knew I'd got stronger. And to be honest, in training, I was always really good. Like I could hit stupid numbers and be like flying. And then I couldn't translate it to racing, which I think is two mm. different things. And I think this year it's clicked. And I think that's kind of what's happened, as well as getting older and everything. And, and I guess stepping up to the world tour. And I think, yeah, I've thrived a bit, I guess, in the situation. So, yeah, that's really what's happened. It's been... Yeah, it's been crazy, really. It's been really crazy because not many people knew I was even when I'd signed. So, yeah, and now it's a bit different, I guess. But yeah. And and um, can you put, I mean, because your your step up has been, it's been nothing short of sensational. I hope you don't mind me saying. I mean, um, you know, you're riding with Trinity. We know Trinity Racing has a really good program across the board, mountain biking, cross and road. They get some invites to the most important races, generally speaking, don't they? So you've... You've obviously had an excellent grounding as an under twenty three at that level, but stepping up to World Tour and you know in your first your first monument, Paris Bay, finishing in eleventh place and clearly knowing you're strong, but clicking that quickly. Um, how did that go down with um, with the team um, in terms of the way you've advanced? In terms of, uh, of did they expect it, or did with each race were you were they very very surprised and and did that change the way that you integrated within the team or what your role was? Because it was happened very very quickly, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, no, they didn't expect it. I think, I think, if they were, yeah, like, I think if they were ambitious, they probably would have said, "Oh, yeah, we thought that," but for sure, they didn't think that. So, yeah, yeah. and I think Ruta del Sol started really well. That was nice, yep. real strong start. Only weekend was strong, and then it kind of just built on really well. And then, yeah, I think, I think around the time of. Again, Wevelgum, then they then they kind of thought, oh, okay, he's quite strong, and then they changed slightly the role in which okay. I had to do. And I think it, I think for me it was I'm still where they said I had to do something crazy in the race, and I was like, oh my god, I don't think I can lie. I was like, okay, now it's changed because now I, I was like, okay, now you got to do a real something. You know, it's not just putting someone into position in a key moment. It's you've got to split the race, so. That's quite yeah. a big responsibility at the level, the level the sports at. How did you actually? It, who told you that? What, what DS? What manager said? Okay, Ben, uh, this is the score. We need we need you to be not so much a protagonist, but somebody who's going to tear the race apart. Because that's at the, at the the level. I mean, obviously, Amstel is pretty much it's a monument, a de facto monument. Anyway, it's one of the biggest races in the world, isn't it? Yeah. One of the most hardest courses. But uh, how did you cope with that? Yeah, I mean. I think it kind of built. There's a few races where it kind of built, it transitioned. Like GP Denan, I think, was the first one. Only weekend I rode well. Then GP yep. Denan, me, Magnus, and me, Magnus, Johnny, Nevaez, and we were away and we like transitioned, then I'd say, to changing the race. And then we went to E3 and then I, and then I pulled uh, Johnny and maybe was it, Tom, was it Tom or Dylan across to the front group. Yeah, because they, we'd missed the split, and then Wavel again. Wavel again. We, um, I was at the front for most of the day, and then I think from that moment, then they, it kind of changed what they what they expected or what I want to do in the race, you know. Um, right. And then and then Amstel was was like, um, yeah, on the Croy. It was before that, but I can't remember what climb it was. They said on the Croysberg, you've got to split it up. And we'll try and animate the race from there because it was some tight turns into that climb where you could real string yeah. it out. It's already hard there. I think it's 220k into the race already. So, yeah. Or 210. So you're already so fatigued. And then they said, okay, now it's 20k. We'll try and split the race. So there's only a group of 15 at the end of that 20k. So that was the job. So, 
that's quite um that's quite a responsibility but also you know i was, I was chat i can't remember who i was talking to the, the other day actually I was, I was i was out riding with ben foster yesterday um for for my the cafe ride that will be out later in the year and um talking about the purity of not so much going out to win a bike race but the purity of having a role in a race um and it's very simple although there's a pressure it's just basically when the when the job is basically at this particular point you go for as hard as you can for 10k or whatever it is you know, for example it's um it's a different sort of stress and actually when you've got good legs it's a pleasure to do isn't it when you know you're going well and your job isn't to cross the line first but to actually make it hard for people it's quite how, how do you did you enjoy that because it was clearly successful because in, in the end of the day you ripped the race apart and Mihail Kwiatkowski ended up winning the bike race didn't he yeah yeah i mean uh, i enjoy it yeah i really like it you, you feel i don't know you kind of get lost in it all and and then in a in a strange way that sounds maybe doesn't sound correct you you like you thrive off people getting dropped yeah no that, that that's, in, t- that's in, no in, totally in, natural mate yeah yeah and then in your head you're like oh i'll keep going then <laughs> but i remember that day as well it was a race where i felt really good i'm still and then if we talked about this one specific time where we we're doing this job, there was a race where I felt really good and we came into that Kreuzberg and it was like, oh, this is the time. Ben on the radio, I was like, right, go, 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 go. Come out of the corner and hit it and then we'll go. And I hit, come out of the corner and did about 200 meters of this climb. And I thought, oh no, my legs bit really quick. <laughs> like, they just, right. you know, you know, there's a feeling when they go tight, like it's like they're going to cramp. And then, you, yep. Like, like they were just balancing on this, like, you're going to cramp, you're going to get dropped you might be all right. This like fine level for that whole yeah. time I was on the front and I was thinking, oh dear, because they said, oh, you do that climb, then you come down, you go straight down, then you do this one that's even harder, then you go down, then you do another one and two ones attack somewhere and all that. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and I was just like, I was just going through like all these like, oh, it was grim. And then actually they didn't die. They just stayed the same horrible feeling. So it was all right, but I think how you just said, like some people like to do the job and all that. I think some days it's amazing because you feel on top on top of the world. And I, I think, yeah, sometimes <laughs> you're saying you need to do a job and you're you're almost getting dropped yourself. So it's not ideal. Well, that, that's the thing. When when you ask to do a job like that, it, it is a fine line because you can't really hold too much back. Because if you hold too much back. The guys sat on your wheel aren't going to be doing anywhere near your effort. You've got to put them under that much pressure, either in the wind and on a climb. Where if you're suffering and you've got good legs, you know they're going to be suffering as well. There's no, there's no other way around it. Riding tempo is different. You know, you're making their legs ache a bit, but dropping people is just different. So you, you are on this very, very fine line of overcooking it and blowing, and then dropping yourself yeah. or keeping it going. And, and there's an art to that, isn't there? And and also doing that you know, for, for the first time at that sort of level must have, must have given you a massive amount of confidence, mate, as well. Yeah, yeah, especially because then we went to Balance Field. And that, I think that was, I think actually, if you look back, I think really the biggest thing for us, and as had class like me and Magnus in the same point there, is you start, we start the classics well and it built and momentum built and you form yeah. built at the same time as your confidence built. And then, that's how you get good results in cycling, really, I think, is, is pretty simple. I don't think it's overlooked, just confidence, really, and so that's, that's the main thing. I think it's just the, again, talking to other people about like, working as a team, you know, when there's bad morale, that can be infectious in a negative way. But when somebody gets a win or you know everybody's riding well and it kind of clicks, that that just has a snowball effect and and it the knock-on effect just isn't with the riders it's with the management it's with everybody enjoys their job and you get this real wonderful atmosphere it doesn't happen very often i mean you'd like to think over a season it ebbs and flows a little bit but there was a sweet spot for indus grenadiers wasn't there obviously had a good classics campaign then amstel won that one brabanza one paru bay pretty unprecedented really um and the new road in every single one of those um it must have been it must have been quite euphoric, really. Crossing the line in Amstel in 89th, obviously a couple of minutes back. But um, when did you find out that Michal had won? <laughs> There's a really funny interview somewhere where I've crossed the line. I've gone through that, like, me, you know, the media tent bit. Yes, yes. Someone's grabbed me from a chat and I had a, the, the swan, I think it was real tight because he sprinted Cosmo Fire, didn't he? And then Cosmo Fire got told yes. he won and it was a bit of a mess, really. That's right. Bit, 
another uh, was it not really great was it but anyway and then this one he was like oh we're unsure but we think he's one we think he's one but we're unsure unsure so anyway i'm like okay okay going back to the bus went through this media tent this guy said he michael's won i'm like yeah yeah he's won and then this guy's i'm doing this interview and he's like you've not won how does it feel to come second and great effort but you've come second and all this and i was like what and like you see me click and then i'm like like you know what it's like the emotion and i'm like looking at him like well, but we won. How are you telling me we've not won? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, and then and then we'd and then it was great. And then going back to the bus and everything. So that was the first uh, big win, I guess, for me in, in the team as well. So it was really special. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at what you what you've done, I mean, even you know, you've, I'd like to think, and I'm pretty confident you're going to have a long and successful career ahead of you. But what a way to start your debut season in a, in a squad that wins. Amstel, Brabantse and Paris-Roubaix. I mean, uh, that might not happen again, mate, but it's something to cherish, isn't it? But, you know, after your, the amazing ride that uh, that Magnus did in Brabantse, I mean, um, I, where was I? I was actually commentating on the the uh, Giro Sicilia um, and I got back to the hotel and your race was still on. And then I saw the way that Magnus did that little stealth move off the front, didn't he? An amazing little move, flicked his elbow and he was away, wasn't he? And then he, he had to do a turn for himself. <laughs> What, what were you thinking then? Because it was you had that stalemate with Remco, didn't you? I mean, and 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 again, given your, if you don't mind me saying, given your relative, um, you know, you're relatively new to riding at that sort of level. Tactically, you all played a blinder. Although there was, it's a little bit fortuitous the way that he ultimately got away. Ultimately, you had numbers at the front, and you had these options. How did you? Who assumed that that leadership role? in that front group, considering all of you are very young. Magnus is super young. Obviously, Tom's been around a little bit longer, although he's actually younger than you. Um, and then yourself, how did you coordinate that amongst yourselves? Um, we'd been away for a while. I think the whole point of that day was me and Magnus went off really early. It was like 80K to go. And then the whole point was we were meant to do like two laps and then Quieto and Tom were meant to come across. And then we were trying to have four in the front, which is very ambitious, but we ended up yeah. with three. It was pretty similar to how it was meant to happen, but so that's how it happened. And then Tom was not on his best day, I think. I remember it was real, like, he just wasn't quite feeling amazing. Um, and then I think me and Magnus been away for a while, so we weren't, like, flying, but pretty good. Yeah. And then the whole point we we're going to do is, I think we were going to wait till after the climbs so we didn't lose the numbers. And then... Um, we start playing the Magnus and me one two in it, and then hopefully uh, Tom was going to sprint it if it came back to that, um, sure. which I don't think we, we didn't quite want to do because it was costing for it, and it was obviously flying because of yeah Amstel. So, but um, yeah, it just worked, and then we're actually leaving it quite late, and Magnus just did this turn, and then I think Tim Wellens was trying to be lazy, skipping turns, That's and he right, skipped yeah. a turn, and and then Magnus had ten meters, which was. Weird. And then they started looking, and and then they and then he just gone, and then I was screaming down the radio, going go 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 go, and then we just covered everything, and and it, and and it was yeah done. So, ah, fantastic, mate! Fantastic, and and then obviously, I mean, I know we're rattling through this because I think it's such a significant, you know, time in your career, the early start, the success you've had. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to, but before we go back in time a little bit, and I've got another couple of little surprises in in store for you uh, as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about Power Bay? Obviously, you, you've come off the back of this this little golden spell that the team have had, and there's been wins before that. Um, tell me what the atmosphere was was like on, on the team, because we know, and it's been widely reported about the way that Sky have ridden in the past, and over the last couple of seasons since Teo's success in the Jura, there's been a little bit more, um, how, how can we say, there's been a bit more, not, not so much a swagger, but quite... Uh, there's been a sense of freedom about the way you're, you're racing. You're, you're unafraid to lose. So going into Roubaix, what was what was the atmosphere like on the, on the bars and who who was what DS was giving you the instructions and what was the feel what was the feeling like? Yeah, I think Roubaix was for me that. Um, well, I'm very new in, in my cycling career, so. Um, but yeah, for sure, yeah, on, the, on the bus in the morning was was I don't know how, like the group atmosphere morale everything combined could be any better than it was that day because it was it was crazy like yeah just the 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 vibe you know like we were, we were together for so long by that point and then we'd had so much success and then you know we're having fun you know at the dinner table every night in the yeah. week all the time you know spending like a few hours at dinner every evening and everything you know and then we did like an 
it was actually a bit strange, but we did like a big transfer from Belgium to to the team presentation on Saturday and the vibe was like really good on the bus and everyone was like really good. And I think it just built and then on the bus before it was crazy. Like the yeah, the tunes were going and it was yeah, it was pretty hyped, I would say, to be fair. Like Luke Rowe. Yeah, I think you can imagine Luke Rowe. I can't quite yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was yeah. And then it and then it was really good. And everyone knew I think what they had to do that day and then and then it built. But I think yeah, we took it on early, but I think ultimately the strongest guy won and and yeah, I think that was quite clear at the result really at the end of the day. No, and, and as a general as a general experience, I mean obviously you've you know, your formative years, although you rode the road a lot, you, you were a, a cross-ex, but so you'd imagine the transition from riding uh, riding a classic like that, Roubaix, you'd, you'd be um, a little bit prepared, but nothing can quite prepare you for what Paris-Roubaix throws up in this modern era, can it? The speed that you're riding over the cobbles and stuff and those, and obviously you've done recons, but what was your gen- what are your general thoughts, not just on your result, just outside the top 10 in, in 11th, but just Paris-Roubaix, as an event, uh, as a spectacle, as, as a, as a this, the set of physical demands, just describe what it's like. Um, I'd say it was really, really scary. <laughs> okay, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, nah, I mean, it was, no, it was, it was amazing. Like, it's crazy. It's just a crazy. It's just, it's crazy. Into you know, like that's a race I've that and Tour of Flanders I've watched countless, countless times since I was tiny. You know like on the yeah. table or whatever. So it, it's it's something you've always dreamed of doing and it's, it's quite surreal to say I've actually rode it or it, even though I've done it, you know. And um, yeah, it was just hectic, you know, how it was in the beginning with the wind. And then I kind of forgot we were racing cobbles and then we hit these cobble sections. <laughs> that, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it kicked off with this wind and I'm like, oh, just like you're getting told to just not drill it, but basically drill it to get a massive gap and then i'm like yeah 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 yeah, good 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 and then i remember on the radio there's like five k's for the cobbles and i thought oh no we've actually got cobbles coming and then you race all them them sectors quite far from the finish you know it's a lot of sectors yeah because people forget not up and forget but when you look at the way the race is divvied up from a cobbles perspective you don't really hit any cobbles till about 90k in do you 80 90k maybe a little bit more no 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 and they they're really far from the, the finish. They're the ones that we did in GP Dinan, so I knew them quite well. Yeah. Um, and then we're hitting them and it was chaos. But the, there was people going out with punches and mechanicals and then the groups were getting thinner and it was just hectic. And I was just looking, just, just kind of, not. I wouldn't say surf because I was, you know, you're in a box from like 80K in, you know. Like, yeah. it's really crazy. And then... Like you're really tired, but I was lucky not to have any problems. And I'm just surfing kind of in this front group. The front, the the second group with all the major favourites, Van Aert and Van Vogt, came back before Arenberg. And then I was also in that. And then we led it uh, into Arenberg, which was an experience. Yeah. And then you come out of Arenberg, and it, and then it's really like really really on. And then the selection was made not far after that. So, yeah, crazy. I mean, we. There's such a everyone knows how mythical Arenberg is, and and I've I've not raced Paris-Roubaix, mate, but I've I've ridden over Arenberg quite quite a few times actually back in the day with with Dan Lloyd at, at GCN, and and probably and I've ridden in a, a lot of different terrains, you know, descended, you know, horrible descents in the Dolomites in the rain and stuff, but that's the only time I'm I've properly been frightened on a on a road bike is riding Arenberg. And I, we obviously hit it about 30k an hour slower than you did. <laughs> but uh, it's so sketchy. I mean, with the skills that you got from cross, it, and on I've ridden a little bit of cross, it, you just don't know what the bike's going to do. All you've got, you just have to hold it and just hope, you know, keep that power down. Um, obviously, you're reliant on riders in front of you. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. Picking the lines even is, is hard. It's just, I mean, just describe it as best you can. I mean, because it is, it's, it's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was like a big wide road. Uh, probably you'd say three cars or something, two, two and a half cars. And then you can you can see it for ages. Even It's about a K, you can just see it, the, the trees and the entrance, really. And then it just comes in and you're flying into it. It must be like 70, 65, 70 K an hour. And then it's kind of slightly downhill in the beginning. And they're the worst cobbles as well. It's like big... One's missing and then there's one stuck up and you can't, you don't have a clue what you're going to win. And you just, 
yeah, the bike's doing its thing and and then eventually, <laughs> yeah, you don't even know, you, you can't pick a line through it, you know. It's just a bit, honestly, this is just a bit of, I don't know if it's blind luck or whatever, but, and then it kind of, I'm saying smoothens off near the end. I mean, that's as gentle a term as I can use. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't really smoothen off, but, um, but yeah, it it's an experience. And I think as well, the amount of people around you as well, you know, all the riders and, and the spectators, but I mean, the the peloton around you as well. That that's another thing to add to it that makes it uh, different, I guess, to when you hit it alone as well. You know, but yeah, it's a yeah, it's pretty. Pr- I think it's proud as well. You know, to say you've you've ridden Roubaix and also you know you rode Arenberg. That's a pretty historic thing to do, I guess. Oh, totally, mate. I mean, um, you're already. I mean, looking at your the the way you've been riding this year. Um, and, and also the fact that you, you're yet to ride a Grand Tour as well. I mean, um, I've no doubt, uh, I don't know what the plans are, but you'll be in the next, maybe if not this, this year, I don't know what your plans are maybe for the World Tour in subsequent years, you'll be riding a Grand Tour. You're still on this voyage of discovery, aren't you? You know, um, but it's quite clear that you, the classics could be somebody, s- somewhere where you um, have a real future. Is, is that already being talked about in the team or is it more just trying these different experiences? Because already when you look at the Ineos Grenadiers lineup, you are like for me. You'd be a first choice now for all the classics, all the all the Belgian classic. You're shooing really, um, and that's for a neo pro. But what what about your own thoughts? What are you excited about um, going forward? Yeah, I think we, we've really the last weeks now. I think after the classics and then a few races we've done since it's been the, the team and I have uh, have created sort of a role, sort of an ambition going forward in the next long-term years, you know, like what, what kind of uh, position I can fit into with the classics in mind. And then mm. hopefully one day, you know, in, in the tour doing, um, yeah, hopefully like a captain role kind of thing. That would be really good. Um, something like that, you know, and yeah, I think the next goal would be to ride a grand tour, hopefully in, in the next years. Um, I'm not sure which one yeah, I have no idea. But um yeah. yeah, I think that's the next box to tick, I guess. Um but yeah, thinking of the classics, I think that's where I'm suited, I guess, the most. Um yeah. I think the riders type, you know, from Cross as well and and how it's gone this year, I think that really suits suits me individually quite well. Um and also what excites me the most, you know, growing up ever since I was tiny, my like all I did was I'd, ra- I'd rather I'd either you know I'd rather turbos. My dad had put a, a classic on. I'd watch all the classics probably like twelve times. Watch the classics. He'd tell me what happened and when, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what climbs coming up, how you should ride it, which side of the road you should ride it on, and then you'd be off the bike. And my dad would sit me down from the TV and we'd watch another classic. It was just yeah, a lot oh, of wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I'd, I was going to yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. I mean. While you're on that, what I don't want to do is break is break the, break the rhythm of what you're what you're talking about. So, so when did you first actually start riding? Clearly, your, your dad's a, a mad keen cyclist by the sounds of things. So, so when did you actually become aware? Uh, or you know, to talk to me about your formative cycling years, when did you start maybe having that desire to potentially turn pro? Then, um, I think turn, turning pro and making it a job. I don't really. I don't remember. I think it's that, that's kind of something that turns naturally when yeah. you're like under 16 junior and you can see, not see the, the potential, but you can see that is actually a job because I don't think when, I, I think it would be a lie to say for anyone, maybe, I don't know, some people maybe, but if you're 14, I'm riding a bike. I'm not thinking I'm riding a bike so I can earn money and that can be a job to financially state. But, but yeah, but I think uh, growing up, you know, my dad was the biggest uh, a role model person to put me on a bike. Um, we did all the disciplines. Really, I started off massively with BMX. Yep. Uh, um, that was kind of where I started, I guess. Um, I was quite good at that, but um, but yeah. And then I kept crashing on my BMX, kept breaking bones, and then um, my dad was a track rider and road rider, so he put me on a road bike. And then in the winter, we did cyclocross because obviously coming from BMX, there was a bit of technical skill that yeah, was crossover, transitioned. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we did. And then we do road and mountain bike. And I must admit, I was not actually that good 
you know, under 14, even under 16, I wasn't really amazing at it. Um, I was all right, but I wasn't great. I think junior is kind of where it, the second year I transitioned a bit, obviously, with the World Cups being really successful and on the world sure. podium and stuff like that. That's where it kind of transitioned. And then I guess from that moment as well, then you're, then you're thinking of it as more of a, a career pathway. Yeah, sure. But you clearly, from from the way it looks like, I mean, your dad, your, your dad, your parents have done a, you know, a, a good job because you clearly, you've got this passion for it that you managed to turn into. I mean, in, in the early stages from, from what you're saying, you're just having fun. And I seem to every single podcast get back to this very simple point that I think is massively important. It's the enjoyment first and foremost, isn't it? You know, bike riding is fun, you know, especially when you do multiple disciplines, you know, you look, look, you know, BMX is where a lot of kids start out because it's safe, you know, on a road. Well, it's safe unless you face plant, of course, and, but you know, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> there's no traffic there. And then a bit of mountain biking, cross road, bit of TT action. Um, and then you've got this, um, and then you, you're watching these races. And, uh, and I guess even as, as a youngster, without knowing that's ultimately, that's what you'd be doing, it clearly was enough to, it was enough to motivate you just to in, enjoy the experience of riding and the feeling the feeling of freedom it gives you yeah yeah I think that's important isn't it because I, did, I think I did some kind of zoom call with some kids a few weeks uh, months ago and they were asking you know what you should do and I remember saying the same thing you said like just have fun you know because you don't get on a bike well I don't think people get on a bike the first time you got on a bike is to have fun. You're finding something new, something fun. It's not to, yeah. it's not to, you're not searching for something to be competitively better at, especially if you're young, you know, you're not searching for that. You're just trying to have fun. And I think that's the most key thing, you know? And I, I think for a while as well, a while ago, I, I, th- I just saw it as trying to get better on a bike. And then you lost that aspect of fun. And then a few years ago, when I joined back to Trinity, I was with Tom again. Yeah. And then it was like, we were like juniors racing cross and it felt, we weren't juniors, but we were only 23s and he was elite maybe, but we were, you're doing it like you were juniors, you know, you're just having fun at the race. Yeah. And that's when I brought, it felt like my career changed a bit from there, you know, coming back sure. with him because then, you, then you're just having fun. And I think that's where my attitude to racing changed a lot and then okay. it changed for the better, you know. And then now, now we're just, like if you look at the classics, you know, I've raced with Tom since I was under 14, yeah. both from Yorkshire, really good mates, gone away racing since we were tiny. And then this year we're at Amstel or Tor Flanders or whatever race is quite special, you know, I think. And then I think in hindsight, uh, not in hindsight, but looking back on reflection, that's pretty special, isn't it? You know, if you say... Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's your job to race the biggest race in the world with like one of your best mates or something. That's, yeah, it's pretty cool, though. I think uh, and I think ending up doing it when it wasn't your intention, you were just having fun, you know, out in the fresh air with, with with your best mates riding your bikes, which most kids do at some point. Doesn't always lead to being a well, hardly ever leads to turning a professional. It's just it's something that kids do. Riding bikes is is one of the most wonderful things and enjoyable things to do in the world. But the fact you've you're still having that now, you you know you you're doing it both doing exceptionally well, and you're still having that, and you still got that sense of fun. I think that's massively important. And, and just in relation to Tom as well, I think the fact that he's able to still do cross, still do the mountain biking, I, I think that the way Ineos are managing him, and obviously I'd imagine he's got a lot of freedom, is, is the right way to go. Because the, the moment that you start to feel a bit stale is the moment the wheel comes off a little bit. You've got to keep that sense of enjoyment there. Cy- cycling's hard enough, isn't it? But you've, you've got to have that fun in a, a sort of, a, you know, woven into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's so key. Like it can be, I think it's so massively overlooked, and there's so there's a lot of tough times in there when you, it's grim outside and yeah. it's grim in a race, or it's hard and it's it's horrible. And unless you love it, you, you're just not going to find that deep motivation inside you. I guess really. And I think, totally, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. I mean. Um, We've answered quite a lot of questions already. Well, it's a really nice deep dive, actually. So we've woven in your most of your debut season into your formative years, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so what we're going to do now, um, seeing as you're from Doncaster, Ben, it's time, hope you've done your prep, for the Doncaster quiz. <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? 
You're ready? Uh -huh. Let's do it. Uh -huh. Turn off your phone. That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? Time. Turn up. Doncaster quiz. Okay, mate. It's, I don't know if you if you've listened to the pod before and you you know that there's quizzes, but we do do a a hometown quiz. And as you're from Doncaster, that's what the quiz is going to be on. Um, Connor Swift, um, a guest a couple of months ago, um, also had a Doncaster quiz. Um, and there's one question that is very similar to one of the questions he had, but obviously. <laughs> You're not allowed to look at your phone or look at Wikipedia um, for these questions. So, um, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to do exceptionally bad, I feel. But Don't worry, mate. Well, I, tell you what. what. Is, is there a score scheme? Do, can I Yeah, there Connor? is. Uh, let me have a look how much Connor got. I'm just trying to throw it, go back. Um, Tanya, Golden Casper, Doncaster, Connor. Um, he got, oh, I can't remember what he got. I think he got like, I think he got 50%. Um, all, right, all right, okay. Yeah, I think they, they, can't, they can't be it really. Do, right, let's just see. Let's just see. And it's also, and also, uh, Ben, they're multiple choice. So worst case scenario, oh, okay, mate, okay, okay, have okay, a guess. Okay, all right, I'm not. Right, I, wouldn't, yeah. I think just doing a quiz and asking you to know the answer. It's it's this isn't this isn't a, this isn't telly. This is this is a pod. We're having a bit of fun. So, question number one. Okay, and I'm glad you're a bit of a bike racing aficionado and um, maybe you're, it would be your dad ultimately that helped you with this answer. So question one. I think I know the answer already. Do- <laughs> is it, okay. I'm not going to say it, but if it is, is it Tom Simpson? But let's just see. It's, not, it's not Tom Simpson. It's not okay, Tom yeah, Simpson. But yeah, I tell yeah. you what, I think you deserve a point for that anyway. Um, no, I'll just drop, drop a point in. One point yes. already uh, because Tom Simpson is a flipping legend, as we know, um, from Yorkshire, of course. Uh, but no, you've already got the, nobody ever has scored a point before the quiz has begun, so that's not bad. Um, so, anyway, mate, right. So, who won stage two of the 2016 Tour de Yorkshire that started in Otley and finished in Doncaster? Uh, Charlie right. Sandfield. Or is it Harry Sandfield? Harry Sandfield. No. No, no. I've, got to give, I've, got, I've got the multiple choice, mate. Multiple choice. Oh, I've got the, oh sorry, the, yeah. I forgot. I'm, I'm yeah. getting too keen. Oh, you are. Show. So, I'm stage getting, two... Oh, Stage two, 2016, 2016 tour of Yorkshire. Uh, started in Otley and finished in Doncaster. Was it A, Nikias Aunt, B, Danny Van Poppel, C, Dylan Gronewagen, or D, Caleb Ewan? Uh, Gronewagen. It wasn't. He won stage one. It was Danny Van Poppel <laughs> from Team Sky oh, at the time. Man. Yeah, Dylan won stage one uh, and then Van Poppel won stage two. Um, so uh, there you go, mate. So um, it's still good knowledge. I mean, you got. I mean, you, you technically got a stage winner there, but it wasn't the right answer. But you still have yeah. one point, uh, courtesy one point. of Mr. Tom Simpson. Okay, right. Question number two. This is a history question now. All right. Okay. <laughs> what was the first known original name of Doncaster, as noted in the second century, but actually dated back to Roman times in the first century? Okay, so the first recorded name of Doncaster, right? Was it A, Danum, which is spelled D A N U M, Danum? Was it B, Doncubus, D O N C U B U S? C, Donidium, D O N I D I U M? Or D, Danumbus, D A N U B B U S? So Danum, Doncubus, Donidium, or Danumbus, which um, was the original I'm going to go with Danum name? because there's a road race there in Doncaster, so that, that would be a cyclic link. So we'll go with that one. Correct, Mundo. It is Danum, mate. Well done. Oh, Good yeah. stuff, Class. mate. Well done. Brilliant stuff, mate. That's quite. It took me a while. All the others, Doncubus, Donidium, Danumbus, I made up myself, mate. I'm quite proud of those, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, was, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> quite strange if it's doing things. <laughs> it would have been a little bit. Um, okay. Now we're going to move on to the 1950s. It's a goldfish-based question. This was the a similar question that I asked Connor Swift back in his quiz. So, question three. In 1956, Tish the goldfish... Tish the goldfish was won at a fun fair in Doncaster and eventually lived to become the world's oldest known goldfish. Okay, um, my question to you is: How old was Tish? Uh, 
uh, at her oldest before she sadly passed away. Um, okay, so the oldest goldfish in the world was bought at a fun fair in Doncaster in 1956. The name of the goldfish was Tish. Was she, or he, I'm not too sure, um, if it's a boy or a girl, A, 41 years of age, B, 42 years of age, C, 43 years of age, or D, 44 years of age. That's a lot, that's old for a goldfish. Oh, okay. We were, I thought I thought you were gonna say like, <laughs> 10 or 16 or 40. No, 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 no. Right. I mean, we are talking, this is, this is, um, this is world record stuff, mate. I mean, Doncaster, I mean, amongst uh, other things, I mean, yeah, this is serious stuff. Uh, A, B, C, or D, uh, C, let's go with C. Correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> You're flying, mate, absolutely flying. Oh, what you, a guess. You, well, that's what it's all about. You've got to, you, it was a good guess. There was confidence behind it. It was as if you're back on the Forest of Arenberg, mate, but somebody's firing quiz questions at you. Insane. Right. Okay. Right. This is, <laughs> this oh, is, this is a, a retail-based question. All right. Okay. Um, there are three branches. Final question of the quiz. There are three branches of Poundland in Doncaster. Okay. And which of the following... Um, branches is closest to the Go Bounce Extreme Trampoline Park. <laughs> oh, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. All right, here we go. This is what it's, it's all about. Wheelie it's about Wheelie Hall Road. That that's Wheelie Hall Road. Um, okay, right, so the, we'll go for the options. Go on. Okay, so we got. There's only three options because there's only three. There's only three Poundlands that I'm aware of in Doncaster. So which one's closest to the Go Bounce Extreme Trampoline Park? Is it A Poundland on Thorn Road Retail Park? B, Poundland on the Wheatley Retail Park. Or C, Poundland on the Frenchgate Shopping Centre. The Wheatley Hall Road one. Yeah, for sure. Go on. Well, it's it's Thorn Road Retail Park. What? Yeah. Let me, I've got to get it up. Hold on. No, no, no. It's on Wheatley Hall Road. I know exactly where that is. I went there as a kid. I'm going to double check because we might need Poundland. I'm just going to type it in again. Poundland, um, Doncaster. I want to make sure here. Um, this is the first time we've had a uh, steward inquiry. <laughs> oh, right. but it, it might be. The, yeah. See, it's, it's not it's far near away. Really but... roads. So basically, sure yeah. so basically, Poundland. So you got you got Go Bounce Extreme Trampoline Park just south of Edenthorpe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Poundland on that that one is it's it's Thorn Road. Oh. And the one just down the road, a bit further on the A630, is the Wheatley Retail Park. So they're quite and, both uh, quite close, but the one that's nearest is the one that you might not be aware of, mate. So maybe pop there and get some deals. It's on the A. It's on the. They're both on the A630, but it's actually called the um, Thorn Road Retail Park, mate. So uh, I, feel, I feel like I, I feel like I've. I've done myself there with quite a lot of confidence in my answer. No, you win it. The thing is, it's all about confidence, mate. You owned it, but ultimately, the other, the there's actually there's a good eight hundred meters difference in the in. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's all right. I'll I'll take it. All right, mate. So let's just tot up the scores. Uh, You got one um, from Tom Simpson. Then you got then you got Danum. And then you've got uh, Tish the Goldfish's Ace. So you got 75% in the Doncaster quiz. Have a round of applause for, for Ben. Great stuff. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, mate. Uh, that's not that's not a bad score. That's not not many people ever get 100 percent As there's only four questions, 75% is probably the next best. So that I reckon we haven't got a we haven't got a league, but I reckon you'll be top ten easy there, mate. So well done. Well done. I've got before we wrap things up, um, I've got a couple of a couple more random questions for you. Um, um, the first one is, um, say um, the management of Ineos rang, rang you up and said, um, Ben, we've had, a, we've had a few financial issues. We can't pay you in cash. Um, we can only pay you in biscuits. What biscuits would you choose to get paid in, Ben? Mm, that's a good one. I think if you were smart, you'd say like an expensive biscuit, wouldn't you? Like a yeah, you would say so possibly you could stick them on eBay or something like that, couldn't you? Then yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like try and recoup a little bit of your cookie biscuit thing. But my favourite biscuit is a is is probably the cheapest biscuit, which is a bourbon biscuit. So that's your favourite biscuit, bourbon. I think it's quite poor, though, isn't it? I remember I used to come home from school, go to my grandma's, and get a stack of four every day. So 
They, I, I, I think they are quite a reasonably priced biscuit, but every pretty much every shop sells them, and like they'll all do their own version. But they're all pretty much. Con- I'm sure they must be made in the in the in the same biscuit factory. Um, but they are great. And also, do you are you do you dunk? Are you a dunker? Um, do you dunk your, your bourbons, or do you just like to eat them? No, or do you take I, off I the do, top I, bit? I, How do you eat them? I, I would be like, imagine you know how you do an Oreo where you twist it kind of or nibble the top layer off and then <laughs> and then lick the inside and then <laughs> basically just savoring it as for as long as possible that's a great i mean what, what yeah I, I i i do that less now because i generally eat biscuits when i'm really hungry and i wolf them down but i think there's a lot to be said for sitting relaxing with a cup of tea uh and just really taking the time over a good biscuit what's, Especially what's your you, favorite biscuit i said really thank, thanks very much for asking um we haven't had biscuits in the house for a bit. Um, oh no, we no. I tell you what, and it was a, it was rolling back the years. It was a milk chocolate hobnob, just a classic milk chocolate. Yeah, because you can yeah. get pla- you can get a, a dark chocolate yeah. hobnob. They're yeah, hard yeah. to find, uh, but the milk chocolate ones come in a blue packet, um, and also just a regular hobnob. But when I was racing, I, I'd do a, I'd do a packet, mate. Just like just do a packet in like 15, yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes, Hoover them up. Um, but I think, uh, and also. Nice biscuit. Do you know the nice was oh, it? Oh yeah, the coconut ones. Yeah, yeah, they are really nice. Uh, to be fair, I reckon I could if I if I went for nice biscuits, I could sell them back to my mum because she 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 gives them quite regularly. <laughs> so you could you but could I don't think basically she'll listen to this. So it's fine. I said that. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure she'd be fine. But but the thing is, um, you need to look after yourself, mate. And if you if you as long as you didn't sell them too much more expensive than the shops, you might, you'd be fine, wouldn't it? You could probably undercut the shops and still make some money. So anyway, yeah. just an idea, just an idea. <laughs> and uh, and just my final question before we wrap things up. It's been a great chat, mate. By the way, it's been re- oh, we've got some information through from Niall, um, our producer. Connor got one question right only. But he got oh. a bonus point for ordering a steak bake at Greg's. He had a, he got a Greg's question wrong, but he said that he would. And I asked him what he'd order. What would be his classic Greg's order? And Connor said he would have a steak bake, and I gave him a point for that. Um, so that's so the only point he got for the steak bake. So, well, no, he got one question right. I can't remember what the question was, and then the only other question right he got was because he was going to order a steak bake. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit, it's a bit of a consolation question, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, I'll, uh, I'll, you, I'll have it out with him next time I see him. I'll say have a little word. I'll beat you on the quiz. And, and oh yeah, you, you beat him roundly, mate. I mean, you probably did knock him into touch. To be honest with you. Um, and and the final question before we wrap things up. Actually, two questions. First up, another silly one, but um, it's not a silly one actually. It's because um, there's a lot of good stuff out there on telly at the moment. What what show or documentary or whatever would you heartily recommend that, that our listeners watch that you think they might enjoy? What, what What's really done it for you recently, whether it's a drama or a, a docu-series or whatever? What, what have you really enjoyed watching? But And the suggestion about, I think most people, in, especially in the UK, would listen to what or watch, sorry, Peaky Blinders. That, that's, that's good. Although the last season was not ideal, but that, that's good. That's a good show. Peaky Blinders. Do you know what? I've not watched it. No. Would you recommend really? it? I've, that, yeah, really? I've, not, I've not. There's a few big ones that I've not. I've not. I've not watched Game of Thrones. Have you watched oh, yeah, that? I watched. Yeah, I watched that. I, I binge watched that quite. I, I need to. I need. I feel. Ago. I feel a bit left out culturally, to be honest with you, Ben. So it's a good ninety talk. hours or something. Though, yeah, so. So that's a big invest. That's that's a grand tour right there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that is, that's yeah, that's yeah, a grand yeah. tour. <laughs> when you look at it, that's four, five, six hours a day for three weeks. Solid, mate. Yeah, if you're um, commentating on the tour or whatever, there you go. Yeah, well, we, uh, we 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 added up the hours. Me and Ned Bolting from being at the Duro. Bear in mind, we go on air from flag to line and a bit before the start, and we do the podiums. We did, I think, it was 115 hours. So um, it was a, it was a lot a lot of some of the waffle we come out with, mate. It was honestly, it was it was strange. But I tell you what, there hasn't been a lot of um, rubbish waffle on this pod. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. What, what's next up? Where can people sit? Apart from at the Nationals, where you basically become a resident of Scotland briefly. Um, apart from the Nationals, <laughs> what's, what's next for you, mate? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, uh, Nationals, now I go to Drona, I'll shoot camp in Andorra, and then I do Wallonie, because there's not too much on while the tour's on. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it'll be end of July then. And then uh, Denmark, I think after that, yeah. And Benelux okay. has been cancelled now, so maybe it has, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. 
So what are you going to do? Are you heading over to the World Road Race then, do you hope? Uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. That'd be nice. Good way to so, well, well, hopefully, mate, our paths will cross later in the season. And I bumped into you at the, uh, the other week in London. That was really nice to see you, mate. And um, again, you're doing yourself proud, mate. You're doing the team proud and um, and all your family. And it's been a, an absolute pleasure getting to know you a little bit better, mate. But um, until the next time, you take care and goodbye, mate. Cheers. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. What a lovely top lad Ben is. That really was a lot of fun. And what a great attitude he has too. A real inspiration for a new generation of riders coming through. Um, And also racing with your best mates. He's absolutely living the dream. Thanks to Perry Upgwyneth for the podcast theme tune, as ever. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod. And you could even leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like. And that way, more and more people will possibly get a chance to listen to this podcast. And also, run up recommended to anybody who has an interesting nickname so they can relate it to the clock and maybe from that point form a support group of some sort. Don't forget, if you have any questions, comments, or have a story to share, please get in touch. Our email address is quite simply, although we've mentioned it before, but I'll do it again for those of you who may have forgotten. It's podcast at sigmasports.com. Finally, a massive thanks again to Ben for joining us on the podcast back in June and not providing any spoilers between now and then. An honourable silence has been maintained. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye. Goodbye.